Hey, Kyle, this is Matt, and joining me today is my wife, Jackie. I'm super excited to have with us tonight as we approach this topic, defending your faith. How do you defend your faith when it's criticized? Uh, Jackie, have you ever had your faith challenged? Has there been a moment where, where, man, someone's challenged what you believe, and and how did that feel, and how did you respond to that? Yeah, man, um, thinking back just over my years being a Christian, there have been a few times that people have challenged my faith. Um, one in particular, man, the first time I got to teach the Bible ever for a group of people, I was confidently, as my new Christian self, sharing the gospel with a group of my peers at youth group. And in the middle of sharing, I think I got to where all sinners, so we've all fallen short. This girl stands up in the middle of the youth group, points at me and goes, do you mean I'm going to hell? Mm. At which case I just said, because like, I mean, what on earth, what on earth? I didn't know what to say now. Okay. I've shared the gospel in many situations. I've had my faith challenged in many situations. I can say nothing else has ever come close to that. Right. As far as being awkward. Um, but really I think the Lord used that awkward moment where this girl stood up and she was from a different faith background. She was just really offended by the gospel. Um, because it meant that her belief system was wrong. And, you know, I had, I had just heard the good news of Jesus. So I was like, why wouldn't anybody want to hear this? And we didn't know how to communicate with each other, but I think, um, it really led to me getting with my youth pastor and getting into God's word and like really buckling down and figuring out why I believe what I believe and being able to communicate that more clearly. So yeah. it ended up a good thing. Yeah, ultimately it was a good thing. Push to like yeah. really learn how to defend my faith. Um, but in the moment it was, it was really awkward. For sure. It was really awkward. Jack and I were talking earlier that in the last 20 years or so of ministry, we've probably had to uh, explain the gospel, defend our faith hundreds of times. And, and I um, mean, so, sometimes go better than others, but, but like she was saying, uh, it makes you want to study, makes you want to know it better so that you can defend it better. Uh, modern Christians, I mean, they often struggle to defend their faith and really explain what they believe and why. Um, you know, the early church, though, was confident in what they believed. And so that's what we've been studying uh, in the series on, in Kyle and our family groups on Thursday nights. We've been going through this series through the New Testament book of Acts. And we're simply calling the series Church because that's what it is. It's a study of the early church and what we can learn about God and, and God's heart uh, from, from studying these early believers. And so tonight we're specifically uh, man, talking about defending our faith. You know, so in the last few weeks we've looked at uh, how the early church had a clear purpose in the world to make disciples and be witnesses of Jesus. We've talked about how they relied on the Holy Spirit, right, to give them everything they need to be those witnesses in the world. Uh, we talked about what the community of the early church looked like, how they loved and cared for one another. Um, and then last week, we talked about how the early church would actively engage the culture and looked at the story of Peter and John going to the temple uh, and the healing of the lame man there in the temple. And we talked about, in our family groups, discussed ways we can also actively engage the culture and talked about different examples of what that looks like for us to engage uh, the campus culture, to engage the city culture, engage people around us and share the gospel with them, present Jesus to them uh, so they can know the Lord. And so when we engage the culture with the gospel, we can always expect two things to follow. First, people are going to receive that message and come to Christ. Right. Some will. And also persecution and difficulties and challenges will come from those who do not accept that message. Right. Those two things right. you can always count on. Uh, and that's exactly what we see in Acts. So after this miraculous healing 
Uh, Peter and John have the opportunity to proclaim the gospel there in the temple courts. Many more people come to Christ, but then they also get in trouble with the religious leaders there. And they're brought before the authorities and they have to defend these proclamations that they've been making about Jesus. So that leads us into what we're looking at tonight. How do we react today when our faith is challenged? Right? How do we react today when someone comes to us and challenges us? Why, why do you believe in God? Right? Why Jesus? Why is Jesus the only way? Um, and how do you know for sure that the Bible is true? When we have our faith challenged in that way, how do we react? Right? How do we give an account for what we believe and why? And how do we defend our faith when it's criticized? This can be really tough for people, right? This can be really tough for young people, especially many young people will leave the faith. Uh, Their faith is challenged and and they don't know how to defend it, right? It it makes them wrestle with things they've not thought of before. And sometimes they they don't have uh, people that they can go to that help them give them good answers for what they believe. Sometimes they'll ask pastors or trusted leaders these these challenging questions and they'll they'll be dismissed with stuff like, oh, you just need to have more faith, right? Or don't ask those kind of questions. Which is, I mean, it's a terrible thing to say, right? And and but their their, their faith is is damaged from that, and, and sometimes they'll they'll turn away from God or leave the church because uh, they've got these tough questions and don't 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 know how to defend them, don't have good answers uh, for them, or maybe they've just not had much personal experience uh, with God. So uh, when, when when these questions are raised, their faith buckles under under pressure because they don't know God personally themselves. So it's a real struggle for modern Christians to defend their faith in the face of intellectual criticism. Uh, in this increasingly secular culture. So 1 Peter 3.15 challenges us with this. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So Peter encourages us, we need to always be ready to give an answer because people are going to have questions. They're going to see your life and they're going to say, Jackie, the way you live is radically different from the way that I live. Uh, and I've got questions. I want to ask you about that. Yeah. Peter says, we need to be ready. Expect that. Expect people are going to have questions for us. Be ready and then be able to give that reason. Give that defense for what you believe. I love that he says, do it with gentleness and respect, right? Give yeah. that answer gently and respectfully to that other person. I love that. So how do we do that? How do we give an answer for the good reasons of the hope that we have in Jesus? So that's what we're going to continue with tonight. We're in Acts chapter 4, uh, continuing our journey through Acts, looking at this example of Peter and John, seeing what we can learn from them, how they defended their faith when it was challenged. So picking up uh, Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 1, says this, Acts 4, starting in verse 1, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John because it was evening and put them in jail until the next day. That's persecution, right? Being seized and put in prison for preaching the gospel. It says in verse 4, though, that many who heard the message believed, and the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. Right on the day of Pentecost, it grew to 3,000, and now on this day it grows to 5,000. Verse 5, the next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them, by what power or what name did you do this? Verse 8, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. 
Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. And there he's quoting Psalm 118. Verse 12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. So let's pause there for a moment. So first, to defend our faith, we have to know it. So Peter is able to clearly articulate here, oh, this man that was healed, I'll tell you how that happened. It was by the power of Jesus. He's able to clearly explain who Jesus is, the risen Messiah that men must put their faith in to be saved. Uh, Peter's able to uh, clearly articulate these things because he studied, because he knows it. So that's going to be number one for us about how do we defend our faith. Know what you believe and why. You've got to study, right? You've got to study. Uh, Peter's able to speak with confidence here. Um, and, and Peter knows this stuff, obviously. He can clearly articulate it, clearly explain it. He can even, even have his scripture verses. He's got his scripture references he can point to. He's, uh, he's thought about this. He's studied this. So, Jackie, I wanted to ask you, what role would you say studying plays in your own life as far as building your faith, your confidence uh, in your faith, and, and helping you to defend it? Yeah, yeah. So I think you can't defend what you don't know. So you can't just spout a bunch of like happy feelings and platitudes and think that someone's going to be like, oh, well, I want to put my faith in Christ now, right? Like, that's not how it works. We have to really know scripture. We have to know what it says. We have to know what it means. We have to do the hard work of not just figuring out like, oh, this sounds nice, but like, what did it mean when it was written to the people it was written to? Mm -hmm. And how does that apply to me today? I mean, we have to do like a bit of work to study and really understand what is there so that we can live by it and explain it to others. And I don't know about you, but like if I can explain it to somebody else, it means I know it. Right. So I should be able to explain it if I'm, if I'm going to say I know it, but I think study is just instrumental to me in being able to explain. And there've been plenty of times where somebody asked me a question about my faith and I have to pause and say, I don't, I don't know. Let me go read about that. Right. But then when we hang out again, I'd, I have done the work, and I, and I look through the scripture, and I remind myself, okay, what does scripture say about this, and then explain it, you know, instead of just guessing right. or, like, throwing something out there, like, just believe, because, like, we don't want them to have empty belief when yeah. there is the evidence of the truth of the Word of God that they can stand on. Sure. Like, we want everyone to be able to actually understand from this reliable Word of God what truth is. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that too. It is perfectly acceptable to say, I don't know. Someone asks you a question, you don't know the answer. It's okay to say, I don't know. I'm going to look into that. Maybe we can talk about that next time. Yeah. yeah um, and then do that. Do, do study. Do try to learn about it. I mean, call, call Jackie, call me, uh, read what you can about it. Try, try to really know it. When someone asks you a question about the Bible, yeah, we want to have studied the word so that we can give them a good answer. If it's something we don't know the answer to, please, please just say, I don't know. Don't just make up something, right? That's not going to be helpful. Uh, but we want to study so that when those people do ask us those things, we can give a good answer. Second Timothy 2.15 says this, to do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Or the King James puts it this way, study to show yourself approved. Right, Paul here encouraging Timothy, do study, right? Do study, do the work, man. Read the word of God, know it backwards and forwards so that when you do have to give an account, you're able to do that confidently. Uh, it honors God when we study, right? When we study his word and, and really know, know him better. So to defend your faith, we need to know it, right? We need to know what we believe and why, and that's going to involve reading, it's going to involve studying, it's going to involve learning. Those are things that you all love. 
Uh, I do. I and, do love all of those. <laughs> and when, we, when we study, we're really going to know what we believe and why. It's going to increase our confidence, and we're going to believe things not just because Pastor Matt said it, not just because Jackie said it or your pastor at your home church said it. Um, now we're going to know it for ourselves because we've yeah. studied it for ourselves, and that's important. So after Peter gives this explanation to the elders and the officials, what happens next? Let's continue here in Acts chapter 4, uh, picking up in verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. Luke tells us that the uh, elders and officials here were astonished, right? They were were there with Peter. They listened to what Peter had to say, what Peter and John said. uh, They were astonished. And and, and Luke makes sure to tell us they could tell these men had been with Jesus. There was something different about them because of the time they'd spent with Jesus. Just being with Jesus had transformed them in a way that was clearly obvious to others. So the second thing is, we talked about the first thing is knowing what you believe and why. And that involves studying. The second thing is this. We need to spend daily time in God's presence. In order to defend our faith in God, we need to know God. Not just know about Him, but to know Him relationally, personally, intimately, and that involves spending time with Him. Right? People can see the difference in your life when you've been spending time with God, when you've been spending time in His presence, in His Word, and in prayer. So Jackie, what does your daily time in God's presence look like? And what are some of the ways that God has prepared you during these times in His presence for what you're going to have to face that day? Yeah, so I love my time with God every day. I think it is the thing that carries me through the rest of the day and and the week. And if I don't have that time, man, life is just better with it. Right. Right. Like, it's just so much better with it. So my daily time with with God, I like to spend time reading scripture. And um, right now, what that looks like is I'm doing a reading plan called Live Dead Joy. And it takes me through the whole Bible in a year. But it's really good because I need to understand, like, the whole story of Scripture, what's, what's in there. And so it takes me through it, and I do a little bit every day. And then there's, like, a, a reading to go with that. And so it kind of helps it be cohesive, helps me realize yeah. if I'm reading and I'm keeping on track and understanding things correctly. So I really like that. And then after I read Scripture, I spend time in prayer. And a lot of times, you know, I just pray to know Jesus more. I pray for the needs of my life. A lot of times I respond to what I read in scripture, like I'll read how loving and gracious God is and realize how I completely fall short of that. So spend time saying, Jesus, would you make me more like you? Mm-hmm. You know, um, but I feel like so many times God is so faithful in that time, not just to meet with me and change me and make me more like him and let me grow little by little. But he gives me exactly what I need for that day. Right. Like, I cannot count how many times I've sat down with a student, and they're like, Jackie, man, today, this, and I'm like, not only do I know a scripture that applies to that, I know a scripture that applies to that, and I read it this morning. Right, it's amazing. Like, it's like <laughs> God gets you ready. I remember um, I sat down with one of our students a few years back, and she she sat down, she pops her Bible down, and she's like, I just do not get Job. And like... I had just started Job that week. I had started digging deep in Job, and I was like, God, you could not be more faithful. Because right. it's a time. difficult book, but I had already been like doing the hard work of studying that book. Sure. So I was absolutely prepared to have that conversation with her. And I feel like God just equips us in that time. Sometimes we have to pull from what 
we've studied a while back or learned mm. a while back, but usually he is so faithful that he's given me something timely for today, for the people I'm going to meet yeah. with today. And, and so it's like, I think that time of God is just absolutely necessary for me. Yeah, that's good. So many times, so many times I've had that exact same situation or something I was reading earlier that morning applies specifically to a situation or in a conversation with a yeah. friend. And it's in these moments of spending time in God's presence, spending time with the Lord that he gives you what you're going to need, the strength, the energy for the challenges you're going to face that day. He's going to give you wisdom and insight about a challenge you may face that day. It's also in his presence where you learn to trust him more, where you learn to hear his yeah. voice better. Um, and we have this closeness that develops with the Lord. Jesus promises us that the Holy Spirit is going to give us the words we need when our faith is challenged. And often this happens spending time in God's presence. Because we spend time in his presence, we recognize his voice better. We can hear him when he's speaking. Um, but I love this promise of Jesus. This is Luke chapter 12, verse 11. Jesus says, when you are brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, and of course, this is exactly what's happening to Peter and John. Jesus says, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. How often do we worry about sharing our faith because of this exact thing? We worry, God, I don't know what to say, right? Or we're afraid that someone might challenge our faith because, God, I have no idea what I would say. Jesus encourages us here, don't worry beforehand what you're going to say. Holy Spirit in that moment is going to give you what you need. Uh, he repeats it again in Luke 21, Luke 21, 14. But make up your minds not to worry beforehand about how you will defend yourselves, for I will give you the words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to contradict. So he says, not only am I going to give you the words to say, it's going to be words that no one can contradict, right? And so that happens, spending time in God's presence, learning to hear his voice, trust in the Holy Spirit, and decide in, in advance, I'm not going to worry, right? I'm going to, I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to share my faith. I'm not going to worry about the questions that come my way. I'm going to do myself, do my best to study. Right, but I'm also not going to worry because it's the Holy Spirit that's going to help me to communicate. And I've also had man, those experiences as well where I say something, and I'm like, where did that come from? Right? I didn't even, yeah. That's something that yeah. the Matt made up, right? That, that, that it's, it's allowing the Holy Spirit to speak through me in that situation. And that's so cool to see God do that as well. So we see that Peter and John had studied well, right? So they can clearly explain the gospel, clearly explain what they believed. It was also obvious to the men they're speaking to that they'd spent time with Jesus. The officials are astonished, the Bible tells us. What happens next? So let's wrap up this passage of Acts. Uh, picking up again, Acts 4, picking up in verse 16. What are we going to do with these men? They asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Verse 18. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. No more. We don't want to hear about Jesus anymore. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. We can't help it. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, you tell us what you want. We can't help talking about Jesus. Right. We, we were eyewitnesses uh, to, to his ministry. We saw him raised from the dead. Uh, it totally transformed our lives. And frankly, guys, we're not going to stop talking about that. Verse 21, after further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. They had no idea how to approach the situation, so they ultimately let them go. 
Peter and John reply that they can't just stop talking about Jesus because of how it transformed their life, because they lived it. It was their testimony. They were eyewitnesses to it. They personally experienced it, and they said, we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. So we talked about knowing what you believe and why. We talked about spending time in God's presence. Uh, And the third thing, the third takeaway for us is recognizing the power of your own testimony. Recognize the power of your testimony. People can dispute you know, evidence you provide for God. People can challenge the reliability of Scripture, but it's tough for someone to challenge what God's done in your own life, right? As you're sharing your own personal story, it's difficult to argue with somebody about what God has done for them personally. So Jackie, how has the power of your own testimony affected your confidence in God and your ability to defend your faith to others? I think, so I think that's a really important point, is that people, they may refute the things that we say about God, but it's really hard to refute what God has done in my life. And so I've, I've really found that my testimony is so powerful when it comes to somebody that is challenging my faith. If I'll just begin to speak what God has done for me, um, because like, how are you going to argue with that? Like, I know who I was. I know what Jesus did. I know who I am now. And I can tell you, they are not the same person. Like God did an absolute miracle in bringing me from death to life in Christ. And so when I begin to share about that, I think first, like you can't argue with that. Like I know what God has done in my life. And I know even other testimonies of times that he's healed me and times that he's worked miracles in our family. Like you can't argue with that. But at the same time, I think that something really powerful happens when we begin to testify about what God has done because there's a confidence in us because we know it. And there's something about the fact that we know it. And when we speak that, it's powerful to others because they can see that conviction. Like they can sense that conviction that like, you're not just talking about a book. You're talking about like somebody that has actually come in and changed your life. And there's something really important about that. Yeah. You know, like I like you and I tell people, you got to meet my husband. He's great. You (laughs) know, like the more I I talk about how great you are, the more they're like, man, I want to meet Matt. Right. And when we talk about Jesus that way, like this is my savior. This is what he did for me. That's right. Right. Then they're like, well, I want to know this Jesus. And so I think that there's a power there that's just it's not as refutable as as facts because it's me. It's my Mm -hmm. life and you know me. And so that's going to like kind of upset what you're what you're thinking and make you think more deeply about it. Yeah. Your testimony is powerful. What God's done for you is powerful. You may not know the Bible well yet. You're getting there. You're going to study But you know your story, right? You know what God's done for you. You know the difference God has made in your own life. You can say, hey, this is the person I was. And then then Jesus stepped in, and this is what what God's made me into, what he's continuing to shape me into. This is what God's done in my life. Uh, And your story is powerful. It's going to be powerful to your friends, to your classmates, to your family members, your coworkers, to strangers. When they hear about what God's done in you, right? That makes the gospel attractive to them. They say, I want to know this Jesus that transformed my life because this person you were describing, I also wrestle with a lot of those things. You're describing me in a way, man, I'm, I'm also bound up in, in sin and in addiction and idolatry. And, and there's things I need to be set free of. You're talking about this guy who can set me free, who can rescue me from my bondage. I want that. Even though I may have philosophical objections and intellectual questions, I want what you have. And, that, and that's what makes your testimony so, so powerful God works through the power of your testimony, um, and, and, and it's so important to, uh, to to just recognize the power that you have. When it comes to defending your faith, you don't need to worry. And Holy Spirit's going to give you the words to say, but also your testimony is powerful, and you know that. You know your own story. Yeah. 
All right, so I'll leave you with those three things. Those are the three takeaways from our passage tonight. Of course, we're going to kick it to the family groups and discuss this a little deeper, uh, share our stories with one another. But these three things uh, that stand out here that we can learn from Peter and John's example. First, to defend your faith, you need to know your faith. And that means you've got to study, right? Study the Word of God. Know what you believe and why. Second, we need to spend that daily time in God's presence, right? So we can learn to hear his voice, learn to, to trust him more, uh, learn his character more, know him personally, intimately. And third, recognize the power of your own testimony and share that. Share that story with everyone you meet. Peter and John said, we cannot shut up about this Jesus, right? We can't stop talking about what we've seen and heard. Have that same attitude that was in Peter and John say, I can't stop talking about this Jesus that saved me. You know, that brought me from darkness to light. That brought me from death to life. I can't stop talking about this, Jesus. Uh, let me pray, and then we're going to kick it to the family groups. Father God, uh, thank you for an opportunity to study your word. God, I pray, Lord, that, that your word would shape and mold us to be the men and women of God that you want us to be. Uh, God, and produce a harvest of faith, a harvest of righteousness in each of us. God, bless these conversations we're going to have uh, in the family groups. God, I pray that you would encourage every single student this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love you guys.